Love is more interested in the long game. Love is heavily invested in the journey, the road, the way. Love waits. Love leans into the process. Love knows hard work now will reap rich rewards later. Love plants seeds. Hey everyone, this is Taylor and welcome to another message from Elevate Retake. I was actually gone last week because I was getting my wisdom teeth out. So, so much fun, but I'm glad to be back with you. Today's message is of trumpets, wind and seeds with a look at Hosea chapter seven through 10. And the key text that we will be looking at is Hosea 10 verse 12. The key theme for this message is love plants seeds. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. The question was asked just a few moments ago. Kike, thank you for asking it. Have your best plans ever failed? And we have this uh, engaged question that we ask every week. And uh, just so you know the, why we do this, we want you to be thinking about it throughout the the morning, so that from start to finish, we've kind of got this cohesive thing. And by the end of it, likely your answer or the, maybe the way you see this question will change depending on the music and the message and all of that. So this is the question that we're pondering this morning. Have your best plans ever failed? Remember, it's a couple of years ago now, my wife Melissa and I were living up in Michigan. I was attending uh, the Adventist Theological Seminary to get my master's degree, and uh, she was working at a, at a hospital up there. And it was around September, I think it was, was it 2017? Um, I think it was 2017. Uh, we, her grandparents came up to visit us up in Michigan. And right around that time, it was going to be her grandmother's birthday. And I know family's here today, and grandpa's here too, and uh, grandmother, she's probably watching online, and I don't think I've told her this story, so this will be new for her. But we, we wanted to surprise her for her 80th birthday. 80th birthday is a big birthday. And so uh, we had some friends that we could have a little, a little party at uh, their house, and this was long before any of us had ever heard of coronavirus and masks and everything else, so we're inviting a whole bunch of people to come out and have food and all those kinds of things. And what we wanted to do was surprise her with these big number balloons. Have you ever seen those? I know some of you have them for graduation or birthdays. They're like this big, and you can get them at uh, Party City or, or wherever you get party balloons, right? Well, we decided we want to get those, a big eight and a big zero. And instead of going to the, the party shop, we decided, hey, we can find them a little bit cheaper on Amazon. First mistake, okay? You find them a little cheaper, it's first mistake. So we bought the balloons, and we're like, okay, we can probably go down to the local dollar store. They'll fill them up with helium for, you know, a buck or something like that. We'll get them filled. And so it comes the day for the party, and I've, my job is to go get these balloons, get them filled up, and take them back to um, the house where we're going to have the party. And if you've ever transported those balloons, you know it can kind of be a little bit of a hassle because they're big and they float. Go figure, you put helium in them, right? And it's kind of, is this going to pop? What's going to happen? So I take them down to the dollar store and I bring them in and say, hey, would you, could you fill these up for me? And the person behind the counter says, uh, second mistake. I knew then it was, it, this, this was not going to be going well. Um, she said, I, I can try. I was like, all right, let's do it. So she fills them up and... Uh, uh, you know, get some, she's like, I've never filled these up before. I think this is as much as we need. And I get them and pay for them and, and take them. And I bring them back to the house. 
and I start to put them in the position that they need to be. And if you've had those, you kind of tie little strings on them so they don't turn and this and the other thing. And I'm messing with one, and I have my back turned to the other. And all of a sudden, I hear a loud popping sound. And when you're working around balloons, that's not the sound you want to hear, right? Especially if you want people to see those balloons and not just a, a crumpled piece of latex on the floor. And I turn over, and the zero had just was there, just on the ground. And I realized that our best plans had just failed in a pile of mylar on the floor. Have your best plans ever failed? We're going to be looking at Hosea chapter 10 this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And by way of reminder, this is where we've been the past couple weeks. We're in a series called What Love Does. First week, we looked at Hosea chapter 1 through 3. And we came to the understanding that when we see what love does, we can know who love is. And that's kind of a recurring thing that we're looking over and over each week. We've got two more of these to finish out the month of January. And last week, we looked at Hosea chapter 4 through 6. God's utmost desire is that his people would know him. In other words, love desires to be known. And this morning, we turn to Hosea chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. It reads this way from the New Living Translation. How prosperous Israel is, a luxuriant vine loaded with fruit. But the richer the people get, the more pagan altars they build, the more bountiful their harvest, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. Verse 2, the, the hearts of the people are fickle. They are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Might there be a change in Israel, we would hope, by Hosea chapter 10? Unfortunately, the answer is no. And we've got we've to pause for a moment. We've got a, a quick time out because I, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Hosea, again? We're kind of taking this book a little slow, right? Why do you keep bringing up Israel's wrongdoing, pastor? It's kind of wearing on me a little bit because this is kind of sad and, and depressing. Where do I turn to this? Because Israel's just keep doing wrong. And can't we get to something a little bit more uplifting? Well, here's the thing. The Bible was written for a very specific reason. And anything that's contained in Scripture has bearing on our lives. And we're going to get to the uplifting part in a moment. But I think we've got to really wrestle with the true condition of the children of Israel. Things weren't getting better. God's best laid plans thus far had failed. And he's continuing to call out to his children. He says, Israel, they've become prosperous, but their prosperity has turned them against me. Their hearts are fickle. They keep going back and forth between what I've given them and who I am. I've got to come down and I've got to do something. We've got to wrestle with this. And only when we wrestle with it can we get a view of what love does, of what God does within this story. And when we get a view of what love does, we can know who God is. And unfortunately, or fortunately, Hosea is not one of those books with a fairy tale ending where God says, I love you, and the people are like, duh, okay, let's live according to God 100% of the time. If only that, it were that easy, right? 
Hosea is deep and dark and filled with the evil deeds of Israel, but Israel is still God's beloved people. And I don't know, there might be someone here this morning that you're wrestling with things that you have done in the past. The sin and guilt is weighing down upon you. Well, let me offer you this this morning, that you are still God's beloved son or daughter. Because here's the thing in Hosea, God keeps coming back. And he says, if this isn't going to work, I'm going to try this. If this isn't going to work, I'm going to try that. Even though Israel is fickle and goes back and forth, I'm going to do every single thing it takes to get my point across. And here's what God does through Hosea. Hosea gives us a glimpse of the lengths that the God of the universe would go to love a people that is beyond love. I think we would do well to ponder this love. The height, the length, the depth, the breadth of the love of God who desires for his people to know him. He created them. After all, he created us. And really, are we any better than Israel? I'll let you be the judge of that. Looking back over the past couple chapters that took us from Hosea 6 to now Hosea 10. Hosea 7, verses 1 through 2, show us God's desire for his people. I want to heal Israel. That's God's ultimate desire. But its sins are too great. Samaria is filled with liars. Thieves are on the inside and bandits on the outside. Its people don't realize that I am watching them. Their sinful deeds are all around them, and I see them all. God continues on and Verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12 of Hosea chapter 7. Their arrogance testifies against them, yet they don't return to the Lord their God or even try to find them. The people of Israel have become like silly, witless doves, first calling to Egypt and then flying to Assyria for help. The question I've got in my mind that I direct towards myself is how often do I turn directly to God when trouble comes? Or is it off that I turn somewhere else? Is God the first one that I call to? When things get rough, when things get difficult, when I don't have enough money to pay the bills, when I'm scared spitless of what's to come in the future, do I turn to God or do I turn to things that are on the internet or in books or friends or family? God's calling out the children of Israel and says, you're going to Egypt and you're going to Syria for help, but I'm the one who wants to heal you. More often than not, we turn other places. But God's not finished with the children of Israel. Hosea 8 verse 1 tells us this. Sound the alarm, other versions read, the trumpet to your lips. The enemy descends like an eagle on the people of the Lord, for they have broken my covenant and revolted against my law. God's not done with the children of Israel. He says, is there any way if I can sound a trumpet, if I can pull the fire alarm, if I can make them wake up out of their stupor, they might come to realize that I am the God who heals them. Maybe I can get my people's attention and help them realize that they aren't in right relationship with me. I think right here in this passage, we get a glimpse, the curtain is pulled back, that there might be something else going on behind the scenes. The cosmic conflict, right? There's a, a God named God and there's an enemy named 
Satan, and they're at war, and there are things that are going on in this world that are beyond our control, beyond what our eyes can see, and God is saying, hey, there is an enemy that's descending upon Israel. And I think that that can be directly applied to the nations that were warring against Israel at the time, but it also has a greater interpretation that there is an enemy out to get Israel. God's trying to say, hey, you just listen to me. I'm, I'll heal you. I'll take a trumpet, take a phone call. It'll take a fire alarm, whatever it takes. I want to be your healer. But I think here's the, the ultimate crux of Israel's problems. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7 reads this way. They have planted the wind and will harvest the whirlwind. Their stalks of grain wither and produce nothing to eat. And even if there is any grain, foreigners will eat it. See, the problem is in the wind. Israel is enamored with the wind. And God makes the point through Hosea that when you sow the wind, when you plant the wind, all you will harvest is the whirlwind. Their best laid plans, their good intentions have failed. I don't know if any of you can relate with this, especially around the New Year's time, right? We come up at the end of this December and we say in 2021, I'm going to do this, 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 that, X, Y, and Z, and everything's going to be great headed into January. Well, it's uh, January 16. How are you doing on those New Year's resolutions? You don't have to answer that. It's okay. But here's the thing. Every system is perfectly designed to get the results that it gets, Right? So we'll make New Year's resolutions and we'll plan and we'll say, okay, these are the things that I'm going to do. But oftentimes we set lofty goals but don't put feet to ideas when it comes to making change in our lives, right? There's something that's holding us back from connection with God. There's something that's holding us back from living healthier lives. And instead of removing it, we kind of assuage it for a little bit and go back to what we've done before, The common definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And like the children of Israel, who are stuck in their best plans of just sowing the wind, trying to make sure that they can get along with life, where are we stuck in our insanity loop? Where do we do the same things over and over again, expecting different results? can be kind of hopeless, right? Like this, this isn't getting better, Pastor. This is hitting home right here in this moment. But we've got to wrestle with this. Hosea 8, 9, and 10 are filled with case after case of Israel's insanity. They keep going other places trying to find their hope and their healer. And God says, all I want to do is to be your healer. Here's what he says, Hosea chapter 10, verses 11 through 12. Israel's like a trained heifer treading out the grain, an easy job she loves. But I will put a heavy yoke on her. I'll put a heavy yoke on her tender neck. I will force Judah to pull the plow and Israel to break up the hard ground. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Even God's best laid plans never fail. He keeps trying over and over again, whatever it's going to take to get 
a hold of his children. And Hosea turns to agricultural language here, right? Which for a lot of us were missed on that because uh, we didn't, we're not anybody getting ready to plant a garden this spring. I know there's probably several of us in here, but not the majority, right? We don't go out and plant this so that we can survive and, and live off the land. But I want to stick on this point for just a moment because I think there's so much beauty in the imagery of a seed. When you look at a seed, you don't see instantaneous growth, right? You don't just pop it in the soil and two seconds later, poof, up comes a plant. No, it takes time. It takes the ability to be patient with the process. I think here's the thing about God. God isn't so much worried about the end result as he's worried about the process because he knows if you go through the process, the end result will come. Sometimes we beat ourselves up because we don't look like what we think we're supposed to be, but God says, I've got you right where I need you. You're in the process of learning who I am by seeing what I'm doing in your life. And the saying is true as well that we often expect other people to change overnight, right? Oh, you've come to church now. You're going to change all of your ways to do this. Now, hold on. What is Jesus specifically doing in your life as he's planting seeds of righteousness in your heart? And what is he doing in the lives of the people that are sitting next to you? Because I think God is more worried about the process than he is about the end goal. In fact, I think you could definitely catch God watching grass grow or paint dry with a smile on his face. Because it's kind of what we are, right? Just a little speck in the midst of this vast universe. But he is so committed to watching our every step and helping us to learn of his love by being an active participant in our lives. God in his infinite power could snap his fingers and make the world right. But it's not God's power that influences his choice. No, God's power is simply a tool in his hands. It's his love that steps in with a fierce desire for covenant relationship. God says, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this together. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but God is calling out to you with that extending hand of love and saying, we're in this together. A couple of months ago, uh, Melissa and I have been uh, experimenting with our wonderful household of houseplants. We put them on our kitchen uh, little window. We've got them in other places in our house, and it's so fun to, to watch them grow. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, and uh, the plants that we've got now, there have been several that have perished before them so that these can live. Can anybody testify to that? But a couple months ago, we had these outdoor plants that are kind of purple in, in color, we, and most had the idea of, hey, what? I want to see if I can take a little snippet of that plant and put in a little water and see if I can make it grow. And she did that, put in a little water, and sure enough, a couple of weeks later, these little white roots had grown out of that little plant. And soon enough, it was ready to put in a little pot, and oh, the pot was so cute. It was about this big, and there's just this little tiny plant sticking out of the top of it. And day after day, week after week, there's just this little tiny plant kind of sticking out. And we would water it occasionally. And we would look at it lovingly and affectionately and, you know, talk nice things to it. After a while, that plant started to grow. 
And it got longer, and it got longer, and it got longer. And we've grafted in other plants. We're doing an experiment now. We've got another plant that's green, and we're mixing it with the purple to see if anything else will come of it. And it's just, it's starting to look really beautiful. But we could be very frustrated because we could plant it that one day. Be like, oh, this plant is, ah, it's nothing. It didn't grow anything. But over time, it has become something beautiful, yet it was beautiful all along. That's what God's doing in our lives. That's what he's doing every single day is he's planting seeds of righteousness in our lives. He's trying to help something grow in the soil of our hearts so that all along, yes, we're beautiful, we're complete, but he's got an end game in mind and he knows that the process will bring us to where he wants us to be. 2 Corinthians puts it this way, Paul talking to the Corinthian church. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then, uh, for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. It's amazing. God is actively working to provide for you the things that you need to know him better. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Psalm 126, 5 through 6 puts it this way. Those who plant in tears will harvest in joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Difficult times are going to come, but God is faithful. So here's the thing I want to leave you with today. Love is more interested in the long game. Love is heavily invested in the journey, the road, the way. Love waits. Love leans into the process. Love knows hard work now will reap rich rewards later. Love plants seeds. So I want to encourage you, as the King Church, as Elevate, as this faith community, that we would be known for planting seeds of righteousness. We've got to be invested in the long game. We've got to be invested in the process of getting somewhere where they need to go. It's not going to happen overnight. You didn't wake up and realize overnight who you were. You are the process, the result of the process of your life so far. And how can we look at others and expect to hold them to a standard that they have not gone through, gone through ourselves? May our community be known that this is a place of love and acceptance. That we might plant seeds of love in each other's hearts. Ellen White puts it this way in the ninth volume of the Testimonies to the Church, page 132. The seed sown with full liberal hand is taken charge of by the Lord. He who ministers seed to the sower gives his worker that which enables him to cooperate with a giver of the seed. So we seek to plant seeds in other people's lives. God says, I'm right there with you. We're going to make this happen. We're going to make this process grow. Things are going to change. What seeds of righteousness do you need to sow today in the soil of your life and in the soil of others? What process do you need to make come about? Is there someone sitting next to you that maybe if you plant a seed of righteousness, change will come? It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be five years from now, ten years from now. Where in your life can you pass on glimpses of hope to the people around you? We as a community, so we pass on those glimpses of hope. We're invested in the process of other people's lives around us. 
the world will come to know what love does. And when they see what love does, they will know who love is. It's amazing how Hosea is not really a fairy tale ending, but you know what? We don't need a fairy tale ending. It's even better because it's Jesus' promise to us that he will never leave or forsake us. I want to invite you to come and listen to our retake of this message where I sit down with Pastor Michael and then Jonathan Aguinaga. It is so amazing. It was so much fun to record and to talk with them about these specific passages. So I invite you to that. Elevate Retake is produced by Inspire Productions. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi. And a special thanks to the Elevate Lead Team and 88.3 The Journey for their support of Elevate Retake. You can connect with us on Instagram at Elevate Retake.